But what colleges are really looking for in these recommendation letters is information about the student that can't be found elsewhere in the application. What is the student like as a human being, not just on an academic or formal record? You know, a compelling subject matter doesn't necessarily result in a rich essay, and a mundane subject matter doesn't necessarily result in a poor essay. Welcome to the Homeschool Journal, a show that unpacks the joys and journeys of the classical homeschool family. Here's your host, Carrie McGraw. Hi friends, and welcome back to the Homeschool Journal. Today, we're going to do another podcast on colleges, but this is all about the college application process, helping parents and students understand this. Now, if you're out there and you're a seventh and eighth grade parent and you're staring down high school, don't let college applications or their process or anything having to do with them worry you or set up any anxiety for the future. Hang in here with us because we're gonna make it really simple. For you ninth grade, parents, maybe 10th grade parents, guess what? You're in the planning stages. You're in the learning stages. You're in the research stages. For you juniors and seniors, it's full bore and you're in the middle of it all. So listen to both of our guests today. Our first guest will be a college counselor who actively works with students in the process. She's going to demystify all these terms that you hear in the application process. And our second guest is a homeschooler herself who works with students on their college essays. She's going to get down nitty gritty into the content and how we have an impact with our essays. So stay with us today as we talk about the college application process for our homeschoolers. We're going to hop into our podcast. Okay, friends, I have here with me Chelsea Shaper, who is our college counselor Mm -hmm. here at the Memoria Press Model School in Louisville, Kentucky. Chelsea, thanks for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. So I brought you on, obviously, because you are a college counselor. You're Mm -hmm. actively working on the college application process with the students here at this Mm -hmm. school. But folks, I just learned something about Chelsea. I had no clue and I can't believe I did not know this. She's a homeschooler. Look at that. K to 12. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing what God does and what he mm-hmm. brings uh, into yep. this studio. Right. <laughs> so this is real. So you've got that complete homeschool mm-hmm. um, perspective coming yes. from homeschool, Definitely. getting yourself into college. Yes. And now you're a college counselor. I, I absolutely love this. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you do with the students mm-hmm. here at Highlands Latin. Yeah. So I work with our ninth through 12th grade students. Um, mostly I focus focus on the 11th and 12th graders. Um, And I really just am here to guide them through the process. I host individual meetings with the 11th and 12th graders and their families to talk about what each student is looking for in the college process and just to kind of provide some insight onto what that looks like. Uh, While the seniors are working on their applications, I help out with um, essay editing and just general guidance along the way, I would say, is is most of my job. And, and I love how you put that because that's what our homeschool parents have to be. Right. They are going to be their college, their students' college counselor. Absolutely. Another, another hat that they get to wear. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But really what I want them to hear today is that they can do this. You absolutely can. You know, so if we have a seventh and eighth grade parent out there looking down the road to high school and there's all this anxiety, it seems to me, mm-hmm. can I homeschool high school? Well, this is part of that homeschooling high school process. I want to demystify. Yes. The college application and preparation process can be done. And it doesn't have to be scary. And it doesn't have to be scary. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And, and so we're going to be really practical today so that our homeschoolers get a familiarity with 
with all the little terms in this process mm-hmm. and and just the little bits and pieces. And while we could go really in depth in everything, we're just going to kind of stay right there and give a summary view Perfect. of this whole process of college applications. Okay. Um, so what we're going to do first is start with a lightning round on terminology. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So the first thing I want to ask you about, um, and just give me that quick, quick definition on what's okay. a common app. What is the Common App? Okay, so the Common App is a uh, wonderful invention. It makes everybody's life easier. So <laughs> it is a website that over 900 schools have chosen to participate mm-hmm. in. You create one account and you um, basically can do all of your college applications for as many colleges as you want to apply to on one portal. So everything is kept in the same place. Great. Okay, next, FAFSA. Okay, this is the free application for federal student aid. And we always mess that up. I know, I so always hard. do. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a tongue you. twister. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but it is a uh, giant online application to apply for um, federal loans and Pell Grants and things like that. Okay, Meter- Merit Scholarship. Merit Scholarship is a scholarship given out typically for academic merit. Um, and these are used, they're given out um, using GPA and ACT scores usually. Mm-hmm. Okay, essay prompts. Essay prompts are uh, the prompts for the college essays that you have to write for each application. Most colleges want at least one writing sample, and they give you the prompt for it. Okay, SAT, ACT, and CLT. Standardized tests. Um, So these are big four-hour tests that students take that they submit their scores to to college. Totally dreaded. Yeah, absolutely (laughs) dreaded. Absolutely the worst part of the process. My parent and child. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anything else that comes to the top of your head that, that our parents need to know, any kind of lingo in in the process uh transcript i think is the number one word that i say during the months of september through december um (laughs) transcript 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 uh let's sit there for just a second Mm because i want our homeschoolers to know that they can transcript themselves absolutely this is this is another process that you know you just got to get a little bit familiar with it know what your Mm -hmm. state requires Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and transcripting is really not that hard it's just getting jumping in with those two feet right it's really not in fact at hls we um do our transcripts on Microsoft Word and I send PDF forms into the colleges. So it's not anything nope. super technical nope. and super official. It's just a record of what your student has studied. And knowing what it is that our state requires. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. to graduate. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go a little bit more in detail. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that common app. You said it is an online process. Mm-hmm. And that 900 schools have, you know, participated in. So that means that not all schools are participating in it. But what's part of that common app? What do they see when they log in, create that account? Right. So So the first thing that they do is fill out a page with all of their personal information. And this is really where I think the common app is the most helpful and that you only have to put your name, address, parents information, phone number one time time. instead of 12 (laughs) times, which is fantastic. Um, So there's that part. um, And then they will also on the common app have the ability to go in and add recommenders, which uh, we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. Um, But they can go in uh, and the recommenders will just upload their recommendations straight to that portal. Mm -hmm. Um, I, as the counselor, or you as the homeschool parent, um, will upload the transcript directly to that portal. Um, What you do on the Common App once you fill out all of that information is you add all of the schools that you'd like to apply to. Mm -hmm. Um, You just search them 
and click add to my application. Um, and then there'll be a tab on the side for each of those colleges. And if those colleges have individual questions or you know specific things there, then that's all going to be underneath that tab. Okay. Um, also on the Common App, students list their extracurricular activities right. and any honors or awards that they've received. Um, they get 10 spaces for extracurriculars, so sports, drama, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five spaces for honors and awards. And those okay. can be athletic or academic service awards, anything like that. So what do you do with schools that don't take the common app? So that's where things get a little bit more tricky. Um, I like if everything can all be in one place, (laughs) Um, but every school that's not on the common app just has its own system. Everything's online now. So it's just typically an online portal for that um, college. And some schools give you a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. So like UofL uh, just got added to the common app and you can apply through their website or you can just add it to the common so app. So do you, if, if your cho- school gives a choice, would you tell them to do one or I the other? Would, I typically tell them to do the common app just because it helps students stay a little bit more organized That's if everything's right. oh, on one place. it's all about that organization. It is. It is. That's another whole podcast. <laughs> it is. I have not many thoughts on that. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. So let's jump to the FAFSA. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the purpose of the FAFSA? Mm-hmm. So the purpose of the FAFSA is to uh, for for the federal government to determine your eligibility for student loans and for grants. Okay. Um, so grants is money that the government gives you. You don't have to pay it back for college. And then there are loans. There are subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can get really specific and financially detailed. Uh, but really what it means is, is the government paying your interest? Or are you paying your interest on on those loans, sure, essentially? Yeah. Um, but what the what the FAFSA is, is you go in and put all of your income and tax information. It's typically from two years prior to when you're filling it out. Um, and then they will provide you with the EFC or the estimated family contribution. Mm-hmm. And this is the number that based on your financial information, they think you will be able to contribute to your student's college fund. Mm-hmm. Typically, it is way, uh, way too high, way, way <laughs> higher than the actual <laughs> estimated family contribution. Um, but depending on what that number is, it determines your eligibility for grants, for and grants, loans and or these mm-hmm. types, these types of loans. Yes, and yeah. So the FAFSA opens on October first right. of every year, and this is another account that mm-hmm. your family has to make. And yes, and I've done it. I'm on my third senior, mm-hmm. um, and I would say, you know, do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there really is some legality to that. I mean, right. you're a student and you have to, you know, click a button that says, you know, my student's filling this out. Right. But at the same time, parents are the ones that have all this information. Absolutely. So as a parent, I would say, you know, gather all that financial information. You'd be amazed at what it is they ask. They're asking about your student as well. Yes. Anything they have in a bank account, yes. you know, so it's the entire uh, financial picture and have all that mm-hmm. ready. Um, another one of the things that I would say is I always have to save, just save your login information somewhere. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. you don't come around to it for another year and God bless my husband. He gets kicked out of his account every single year. That I happened mean, to my dad oh, every time that I had to apply They don't for like it. him, but they yeah. love me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but you know, so we always do it underneath mine. Um, with my daughter or my son now. Um, so that's, but let me ask this. Do you have to fill out the FAFSA? 
So that is a thing that is different from college to college. So some families prefer not to provide that information um, because they think they're not going to be eligible for those loans. I always, always suggest that families do fill out the FAFSA for a couple of reasons. Most colleges that offer merit scholarships to their students will request that there is a FAFSA on file for that student. Um, And so that's a thing to check on the college level. Mm -hmm. What does each college you know, require. Um, also, uh, most colleges, usually state um, funded colleges, which are a lot of them these days, right. um, will require a FAFSA on file if the student is going to work on campus right. ever. Well, and so, because that yeah. can be part of that, that overall financial aid picture right. can be a campus job right. as well. Right. That's part of your financial mm-hmm. aid package. Mm-hmm. And to get all of those options, you have to complete a Absolutely. FAFSA. Right? So, so technically the answer is no, you don't always have to but really, it, the answer is it's always better to probably. just fill it, it out. It opens yeah. up other opportunities. Absolutely. And well, so in this entire financial aid umbrella, you know, like we said, mm-hmm. some, of, some of the things in that package will be maybe an opportunity to work for the campus, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if you don't mind, I'm going to expand a little bit on some <laughs> of this package because I was a banker. So uh-huh. I know a little bit about, you know, the student loans. Um, so, you know, through the Department of Education, if you fill out the FAFSA, you can be eligible for, like you said, the subsidized or unsubsidized loans directly through the Department of Ed. And a subsidized loan, I think you mentioned this, is um, is interest deferred. Mm-hmm. So this is to the student. And I'm subsidized loan is also to the student and that interest starts accruing. You have to start paying pretty much right away. Right. Um, and then there's a third type of loan, which is the parent plus loan. Again, only available if you fill out that FAFSA. Mm-hmm. And that is where the parent is the applicant. Again, a lower interest rate for all of these because the Department of Ed is behind them, underwrites them. And um, but the parent plus loan, you have to start paying, you know, right away. So all of these things are part of that um, financially picture. Now you can also get private right. um, student loans, walk into your bank and see if they offer, you know, student loans. But again, that's going to be probably to the parent mm-hmm. and that's going to be a different interest rate, not right. as generous right. and, and pay it, you know, right away. So that's an option if you're not going to fill out the FAFSA, right. you know, but like you said, I think in the most in most cases, uh, students can can really benefit from mm-hmm. what they can receive. I think as a homeschooler, for me, it was hard. I mean, I didn't homeschool high school, but it was hard for me to sit down and tell somebody my entire picture. Like that, right? Was it feels a, a little scary. It, it is. Yeah. A little, it yeah. is. It yeah. is. Um, but we did benefit from it. Yes, and we're still benefiting yes. from it. And I've got another one coming up. So mm-hmm. as you are working with my senior right now, <laughs> um, actually, I told I told you just a minute ago, and I'll tell everybody else right now. My son, my senior is taking his PT test for ROTC scholarships mm-hmm. Yes, and with an army officer at this moment. So when we get off of this, I'm going to call him and go, okay, how did it do? go? <laughs> right. So but that segues me mm-hmm. right into unintentionally, but I'm going to do this. Um, scholarships, yeah. you know, we touched on, you said basically what a merit scholarship is, mm-hmm. but that's, um, and you said that sometimes schools to give those, they will want that FAFSA, but right. let's really talk about what a merit scholarship is. Right. Um, so in my experience, a merit scholarship is one of the best ways that it a student is. can can fund um, college for themselves. It's not a loan. They don't have to pay it back. Um, and it doesn't, uh, it's not required to, or it's not determined by, sorry, it's not determined by um, family income. Right. So this is just on the basis of academic merit. So mm-hmm. um 
this is different at every school. Uh, you'll hear me say that a thousand times yes, in this conversation. Every school is different in the way that they handle things. Um, but these are scholarship awards that are given out for tuition and sometimes for housing and books and food stipends and things like that on the basis of GPA and test score. And standardized tests. Standardized tests, right. The things that we wish we could avoid, but we can't. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I always encourage students to apply for these scholarships. Um, well, many of the merit scholarships, there's really no application to them. I mean, really, often, you come in with that ACT, yes. that SAT, and some schools, the CLT, but we'll talk about right, that in just right. a minute, um, you know, or your GPA, and it's off the bat. You're given this chunk of money, right? and that's what really at, nice. Yes. <laughs> at, at many schools, it is just part of just the general application process, and they determine that. The thing to always check for is what deadline do you need to apply by at the right. school in order to be eligible for that. That's right. Um, schools will have different early action deadlines or regular admission deadlines. Mm -hmm. At most schools, you have to meet that early action deadline in order mm -hmm. to be eligible for the scholarship. So mm -hmm. I am telling our seniors that every possible that's moment this right. year, make sure you've checked your deadlines so that you're eligible. Um, but that's the way that those scholarships typically yep. and work. Moms and dads, that's how we keep them on track, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, be, and really spending time and telling your kiddos to spend time on these website pages right. because the college's websites are fantastic. They are. They tell they you are. everything. They tell you every date, right. you know, and sometimes you get beyond those merit scholarships and they have special program scholarships, mm -hmm. you know, and, and those are that next level. Sometimes right. those are a little bit delayed, right? you know, and there's a second, maybe a second application mm -hmm. for some of those special programs. But that's another thing to be aware of and to Absolutely. look for in any of these schools and just ask, just put your name in the hat. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. There's another category of scholarships. These are the independent and corporate scholarships. Mm -hmm. These are harder. They are. These are the needle in the haystack. They are. There are lots of websites out there, like I think like scholarships.com or whatever. Right. You can go and you can look these things up. There's even websites I've found that give you probability rates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's a whole market. It's a yeah. whole market. And, and so they're out there, but again, you know, get, and those are usually even a little bit later. Like right. I find those are like January, February. Right. And so I, you know, do it. Put your right. hat in right. those as well. I, I would say the number one question that I get asked by parents um, about this process is about scholarships because mm -hmm. college is super money, expensive. Money. Um, and the thing that I always tell our students and families is really to focus on the scholarships that the colleges themselves offer. Right. Um, the most money that you're going to get for school is most of the time either going to come from a student loan or it's going to come from the college itself in mm -hmm. the form of a scholarship. Um, those outside scholarships, like you said, they're kind of a needle in a haystack. Right. Um, so I always encourage students, you know, make sure you've got your test score where you want it to be. Um, you've got your GPA set, like focus on being a good student and applying to those school specific scholarships. Once you get those applications out of the way, um, then turn your attention to those corporate scholarships and institutional scholarships um, outside of the college. That's right. And that's why planning for this, even as a ninth and a 10th grader, that GPA is important. It is. And taking all it of is. that seriously at the beginning is really important. And then understanding that once you're past that freshman, you've been admitted and you're not mm -hmm. a freshman anymore, there actually are often more scholarship opportunities that are Absolutely. open within your own college mm -hmm. for that sophomore, that junior, um, maybe within a particular college within the university or something like that. Absolutely. So to always be looking for more uh, funding. There and, is, and, and there is money help. everywhere. Right. <laughs> okay. We said we were going to get to the standardized tests. Mm -hmm. 
we're all going to breathe. <laughs> I'm still in the throngs of that. God bless my son. Um, you know, that ACT, that SAT, and then the CLT, which mm-hmm. is a little bit different. But kind of expand on what are those, and they're different, right? Right, right. So the the most common standardized tests are the ACT and the SAT. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're virtually the same test, just formatted a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have yet to encounter a college that won't accept either one. Either one, right? right. Um, so I always tell students maybe take one of each, see which one you're more comfortable with, if you have a preference, and then you know keep testing with that one. The CLT is the classical learning test. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somewhat similar in nature to the ACT and SAT, but it's just a little bit more um, geared toward those that have been classically educated. Classically educated right. and are typically heading to that smaller, maybe faith-based or yes. liberal, ar- yes. liberal arts um, institution. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finding that more and more of these are taking the CLT. Right. So I think that that's a great option, especially for Memorial Press homeschool families, mm-hmm. you know, that might be looking for that smaller community. Right. Um, heading um, out into the world. Yes. And okay. if you go to the CLT's website, they've got a list of all the colleges that will accept their tests. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. That is not one that I have I've been on. Okay. So let's get to recommendation letters. I always find this is kind of a, a tricky process and it may be particularly for our homeschoolers because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you are your child's college counselor. Right. <laughs> so you're probably not going to write your child a recommendation letter. Right. You know? Right. Um, so where would um, homeschoolers go to look for recommendation letters? And you can only send in a couple. Really. Right. Right. Um, so I would say if you're if your student has taken any classes, you know, at an online academy or at a co-op or anything like that, of course, those teachers are going to mm-hmm. be great options um, to ask for recommendations. Also, coaches, Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders. Um, a lot of schools will accept community recommendations. So if there's a member of your community, I've, I've seen great recommendation letters from like neighbors um, that has counted. Um, so you can kind of get creative with this as much as the college will allow you to. Sure. Um, anything that represents. Yeah. Anything child. that represents your child. And what I always encourage students to think about when they're thinking about who they would ask to write their recommendation letter is um Think about the person that knows you the best. So okay. the teacher that has that the helps. most, the, the closest relationship with you. Obviously, they don't have to be like mm-hmm. a close personal friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what colleges are really looking for in these recommendation letters is information about the student that can't be found elsewhere in the application. Personal qualities, anecdotes about their character. Um, what is the student like as a human being, not okay. just on an academic or formal record? So, as a student, and this is where I think this is kind of tricky. Like, how how do you ask that question? Mm-hmm. How do you what do you provide to that friend or that employer or mm-hmm. um, that that mentor at church to say, okay, will you write me a recommendation mm-hmm. letter? But they only know you, you know, in that area in that of your life. Area. Yeah. Um, I would say ap- appropriately, the student could ask, you know, the recommender, would you write this recommendation letter? And this is really what the college is looking for. They're looking for information Great. about my personality or any anecdotes that you have to and share. And I think that helps the recommender. And that really right? does help the recommender. Recommenders really want more information to go off of. And I think my point is it's okay to be forward. It it's is. Okay it is absolutely say, okay. This is, mm-hmm. you know, will you write this for me? This is what they're looking for. I think that's a right. perfect way to put that, Chelsea. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So yeah. we haven't talked about essays because my next guest is going to really go in depth yes. in essays. I know that's something that you're really good at because I know you're <laughs> working with my son right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, 
Chelsea, this has been very informative. I really appreciate your time and I certainly appreciate all that you do for the students here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Well, friends, I want to introduce to you Lauren Cardwell. Lauren, hello. I'm so glad you're with us. Thank you so much for having me. Hello from Nashville, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Yay. And yes, that's one of the things I wanted to tell everybody is that our friend Lauren is or has been um, teaching at our cottage school, Highlands Latins Cottage School in Nashville. She's taught um, English, creative writing, classical studies, Latin. This woman has done so, so much. She's the mother of four. Now, while her husband is a public school teacher by trade, back in 2013, they decided to homeschool. And I think you've got quite a story about how that came about, don't you, Lauren? (laughs) I do indeed. Yes. So my husband is a career public school teacher and I have taught in public schools and we both come from families of public school teachers. And um, so we were thrilled when our daughter, uh, as a rising kindergartner, got into kind of a, a choice public school here and Um, She had a wonderful, compassionate, uh, intelligent, hardworking teacher and a really lovely peer environment. And she begged us, Carrie, three to five days a week to homeschool her. And we, you know, at first we thought this child has lost her mind. (laughs) (laughs) Where did she even get this idea? We know like one other family that homeschools and that's it. And um, she really was able to articulate some mature and very logical reasons Amazing. and persuasive reasons oh. for why she wanted to homeschool. So what a God we, thing, right? Yeah, what it, a God thing. <laughs> yes, it was so unexpected for us. And we are so fortunate that we have this beautiful homeschool community in Nashville that could really uh, support, just really support and, and guide us and mm-hmm. make us feel encouraged to take that leap of faith. Sure, you know? absolutely. And so the other thing, Lauren, um, part of the reason why I've shared already that we have brought you on here is we're, we're going to talk about essays, college essays today. And mm-hmm. our friends need to know what Lauren has been doing since 2005. She served on the Middle Tennessee Regional Selection Committee for the Jefferson Scholarship. And so not only is she reviewing student essays for an institution, institution um, for the application process, but you also help students in uh, creating and formulating their essays, right? That's right. One of the great joys of being a high school English teacher is that I get requests from students, former students, and even family members, you know, will you help me with my college essay? Mm -hmm. And so in addition to seeing essays that are done, finished, polished by kids I don't know, and kind of, you know, reviewing those and judging those. I also get to uh, be a collaborator with and helper for um, some kiddos that I do know. And that's a really wonderful process of helping launch them to the next thing. Yeah. And that evaluation process, you know, for something for that, that scholarship process, that's really, really important. Something I want our um, families to hear a little bit more about today. So let me ask you just a few questions. We're going to stay on that topic. The essays, the dreaded essay. (laughs) I know this is the part that other than having to take these standardized tests that I just talked with our previous guest, Chelsea, about, um, who's a college counselor, um, the dreaded essay. So why is the essay so important in the application process? Yes. So I say, do not dread, 
celebrate the opportunity. Oh, how okay? wonderful. Thank you. Wait, I'm in my, I'm on my third senior and I've just now heard this wonderful piece of wisdom. I'm going to have to take this forward for the next one. Thank you yes, so much for that encouragement. You're welcome. Let's shift. Let's shift from dreading to celebrating because the essay is an opportunity for the applicant to distinguish himself as an individual, right? Okay. Most of the application is statistics, records. It is. And those are those are helpful as someone who judges applications. Those are helpful, but they can only go so far in constructing the narrative of an individual. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those statistics, transcripts, they can tell us a little bit about priorities, like what extracurriculars have you prioritized? What you know, what kinds of courses do you seem to sure. keep going back to? They can tell us about performance and they can tell us about preferences. But they cannot tell us about personality, passion, mm-hmm. process, and they can't tell us about the writing skills, which are crucial to college success. Right. So I say the essay is, <laughs> it should be something teens love because it is a place for self-determination, really. Mm-hmm. It is really the only place on the application for self-determination. The rest of the application, the transcript, the test scores, that ship has sailed. Those are set, right? That's right. They're done <laughs> by this time. Um, Absolutely. Right. And the recommendations are really a, from, you know, teachers or, or people you've worked for. They are a crucial part of an applicant's ability to stand apart as a unique individual. But the recommendations are another person's opinion of and narrative about mm-hmm. the student. So and the that- essay is the opportunity that student has to present herself authentically the way she chooses. I love that. You know, we've done another college podcast and one and I had on um, an admissions counselor from Hillsdale and he used that same word authenticity, you know, Mm -hmm. in the process. And and I think you're absolutely right. One of the best ways to communicate that is this college essay. And so in the college essay process, you have typically we've talked about the Common App earlier in this podcast. And so there are essay prompts um, that students are given, maybe seven or eight. They kind of change a little bit every year. Um, And those are typically associated with the Common App. They may be associated with some particular scholarships as as well. Um, So tell me a little bit about the essay prompts. Um, Are they different between these these different areas? Or um, how does a student sort through that and what they're supposed to write? Right. There's there's so much there in your questions, Carrie. Oh, sorry. So, it's big. I told you. No, okay, I'm not going to okay. drive the essay anymore. I'm going to celebrate it, but we're going to celebrate it all this stuff that we get to do. <laughs> yes. No, this is fun. I love getting down into the into the nitty gritty. gritty. I'm a right. writer myself. Right. So this is uh, this is what I love. So that essay prompt, it's either a question or a set of questions uh, from the Common App or from the particular university mm-hmm. or from a college or school within the university right. or from a particular scholarship program that they're posing to the applicant to answer in prose. Sometimes a particular question is required. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like on the common app, there's a set of questions from which a student may choose. Um, And really the range of what you see is, is pretty broad. Response length requirements can vary from these kind of little micro paragraph essays, 50 words Mm -hmm. all the way to 750 words, all the way to no word limit. Right. right. <laughs> um, depending on the institution and the demands of the question, most of the essays, Carrie, are going to be about a 200 to 250 word limit. Mm-hmm. And some universities will only require one kind of medium length personal essay. Okay. Some will require that personal essay and then one or more 
shorter essays right. that would usually be on topics that are specific to that institution. Mm-hmm. So they want you to respond to particular traditions or programs they have. Or sometimes it's just little micro essays on topics that will give the admissions officers a clearer picture of a certain aspect of the applicant, right? Like quirks or their problem solving strategies or why a particular extracurricular was meaningful or even a even a moral question. Right. Um, like if a school has an honor code, you know, they might have a question about that. Okay. So it's really important for parents who are, especially homeschool parents, you know, we're navigating this on our own. Mm-hmm. We um, are being our own child's college counselor. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right, right. So that's a whole new thing we have to learn. So when we're navigating this, it's really important for us and our kids to read the fine print because so many schools now take the Common App, but so many of them also require, in addition to the Common App essay, that you answer some essay questions that are particular to their their school. Yeah. So what do you say when um, sometimes they say, oh, essay is optional? Um, What would your answer be to a student when they say essay is optional? I know what mine has been to my student. (laughs) Right, right, right. So uh, this is a great, this is a great moment to bring in etymology. Um, The word essay comes from the French verb essayer, which means to try, Mm -hmm. right? And so <laughs> this, it's a, it's a try. It's your shot, it's your right? Shot. So take mm-hmm. your shot. Take your shot. Take your <laughs> you best don't shot. Gain, you don't gain anything by leaving it by, you know, by abandoning the opportunity, right? Uh, oh, thank you so much. Again, you have put that so much more beautifully than I did to my son when he said, well, this one says it's essay optional. I said, well, it's not essay optional in this family. So <laughs> that was, of course, I tend to be a little bit of a drill sergeant where that comes. But, um, so let's well, that's talk. what you have to do when yeah, you're well, homeschooling you know, sometimes. Well, I'm not homeschooling anymore. But, um, you know, I, I just that's how we handle it in our house. It is not optional. <laughs> so so what kind of essay actually sets that student apart? We've talked about how important this is, how this is the moment where you get to tell about yourself. Is there a particular aspect of an essay to you that has been memorable, that has really set a student apart? Yes. So. When students are thinking about their their college essay, they uh, they need to think about not so much what they're going to write about it as how they're going to write it. Okay. okay? So students need to <laughs> students need to be authentic in their college essay. The goal is not to impress. Okay. The goal is to help them get to know you authentically. Beautifully okay. Put. The only it's the closest thing to a conversation these admissions officers are That's going right. to have. Oh my gosh. Right? I, I did not look at it that way. That's wonderful. And you also want to remember that admission officers are reading hundreds of these essays every fall. Mm-hmm. And so you want yours to be memorable, right? And it could be, again, that doesn't mean you're impressing them, but it means it could be memorable because you're a really great writer and you show strong rhetorical art. It could be memorable because you craft a really compelling narrative. You tell a good story. It could be memorable because um, you clearly articulate an academic or extracurricular passion. Okay, so let me interject here. I'm going to take some some on-air advice from our friend Lauren because I am in the throngs of this right now with my third senior. And and this is part of the hardest process is is the essay. And, And I'm really, really actually very proud of him as to what he has come up with to write about himself. And it really is a story about himself and his 
particular kind of unique interest. And it is from one of the prompts on the Common App. And 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 I'm not going to do it lip service. I know that. But to hear him and how excited he is to tell his story about his hobby of repairing cars. He works on cars. This is something he does on the side. We've had other people bring cars to him and he fixes them and he has fixed things that I I, I don't even know how to pronounce them that come out of the vehicle. And, and to hear his level of excitement in telling that story about himself. Lauren, do you think that's a good, good representation of himself in an essay? I think that is excellent, Carrie, because first of all, it's unique. It's going to stand out. Um, second of all, it's not something the admission officer would know from looking at his transcript. That's right. It's not. This is not a it's, job for him. It's a hobby. It's Yes, it's a passion. It helps him really get to know authentically who he is. And third of all, if he's spending this much time working on cars, it is something he can write about with specificity. And it which is. Which is really important because, you know, uh, sometimes kids think, oh, well, you know, I'll write about... Uh, being, you know, captain of my sports team, because that's a leadership position. And that's a good extracurricular I've done all four years. And then they sit down to write it and they find, well, I really don't have much distinctive to say about this experience, actually. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily, you know, a compelling subject matter doesn't necessarily result in a rich essay and a mundane subject matter doesn't necessarily result in a poor essay. Okay. The student wants to choose a topic that he or she can write about authentically and well and compellingly. And I think you also used the word distinctive, you know, like you yes. said, I mean, how many, I don't know how many kids are going to read about that, that fixed cars. So I don't, I don't know. We're, we'll find out. I'll let you know on the flip side. Okay, Lauren, please, please do. I'll please let do. you know. You know, Carrie, I'm thinking about a couple of college essays I've read recently. Um, and um, they were really different from each other and both each essay was very successful. Mm -hmm. So one young woman wrote about the experience of having synesthesia, this um, condition where one sense triggers another. Hmm. So, you know, words have colors and uh, smells have sounds, right? This is an unusual condition. It's unusual. And she wrote about how this condition has led her into a love of literature and a desire to be a writer. And she wrote in this beautiful, rich, figurative language. So she has kind of an unusual topic mm-hmm. and a flair for language, right? Wonderful. Right after I read that essay, I read this essay by a young man who wants to be an engineer and he wrote about bicycles. <laughs> okay. And you're thinking bicycles. Well, that's, that's kind of mundane. But he wrote about his admiration of and love for the bicycle and how it inspires him to want to be an engineer and why it inspires him to want to be an engineer. Oh, how fascinating. I love the the specificity of that, him really drilling down and being, like we said, distinct on on what is unique to him. That's that's wonderful, both of those. And you're right, they're yeah. vastly different. Going from a writing and, student to an engineering student, that's vastly different. Right. And the engineering student, he did not try to be a creative writing student. He did not try to write a flowery essay. Okay. He wrote a very direct, analytical, clear essay. That's great for science writing. Mm-hmm. You know, when when an admission officer reads that, they think, yeah, this is an engineering student. Look at how clearly and logically he's writing this. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those essays demonstrated 
a mastery of the written word, just very different styles. They both provided insights into how the applicant thinks, which I always want. You know, it's like Hamilton. I'm looking for a mind at work. (laughs) Like (laughs) Eliza Hamilton says, I'm looking for a mind at work. Really, They want, you know, that your test scores and your grades can't tell them how your mind works, Mm -hmm. but your essay can. Okay, so um, talk about just let's touch briefly on to finish out some of this essay process. We've talked about content. Talk about building it. You know, this is is this a one and done situation? Is this hey we should revisit this or talk to me talk to me about that process? Carrie, this is never a one and done situation. <laughs> I didn't think so, but I had to ask the question because if any parent out there is sitting with their child and their child presents them an essay and they think it's done. Mm, wait a second. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Oh, I say funny. if that happens. Um, no, you know, writing isn't, I mean, real writing is not ever a one and done experience, right? Right. Um, but I think students and parents, homeschool parents need to go into this with some reasonable expectations. So the first thing I would say is plan ahead. Okay. You want to take time in the spring of your junior year or the summer between your junior and senior year to map out, okay, this is what the late summer and early fall of my senior year are kind of shaping up to look like. And these are the few months I have to write my essays. Mm -hmm. Where are the pockets I can work on them? Mm -hmm. So that it's in your planner like a class, you know, Um, because you're going to need to not just sit down one night and pound it out. You're going to need to revisit it regularly week after week. Right. Right. So so you're doing that alongside, you know, choosing and visiting schools and reading applications. And and the first thing to do after that step is look at the possible prompts that they've given you if there are choices and even if there's one that really stands out to you, I would say brainstorm for at least a few of them. Okay. Um, and then pick two or three to make an outline for. Because that process of outlining will help the student to clarify their choice. Right. And it also, it, it, it brings out that creative process in you. Um, it helps you to think through Um, you know, individual aspects of of all these different things that they're asking you. Um, It really just kind of gets it down on paper and and helps you just take a step back and look at it maybe a little bit more objectively, maybe even a little bit more subjectively, so that you can pick out what means the most to you, which is what you said before. Right, right. You when you when you're outlining something, you know, if you might realize, like I said earlier, gee, I don't have much to say about this experience, Mm -hmm. but I seem to have a lot to sure. say and think and feel about this one. So maybe even though that wasn't my first instinct, maybe that's what I need to write about. And then once you kind of pick your pick your topic or your prompt, then you start using that outline to help you organize your thinking to save Good. time when Good. you're drafting, sure. right? Now then I think about the actual writing process for a college essay in three phases, all right? Okay. So the first stage, which is usually anywhere from one to three drafts, is you're just working. Wow. I know, I know, I know. know. (laughs) Is you're just working on what you want to say. Okay. All right. And then the next stage, you're working on how you want to say it. Very good. And then. And that's usually, again, another one to three drafts, really the how. Okay. And then your final phase is the polish. Great. You don't need to be mired in polish and commas and semicolons when you're just trying to figure out what you want to say. 
Right. Right. Oh, that's so smart. So and smart. You don't want to be trying to figure out what you want to say at the same time that you're figuring exactly how you want to say it and exactly sure. how the flow is going to go. Sure. So break it down. And I think it's really important for the student to map out the time, some gracious time to work on this for a couple of reasons. And one is that between each draft, the student just needs to let it sit for a minute. Take a break. Take a break. Take a break. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, how many times, I know I've done this, how many times have all of us written something, we read it right away and we think, oh gosh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you got to jump back, you know, right. a little bit and later. And then we revisit Absolutely. it a few days or the, later the next week and we think, oh, well, what did I even mean there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so you need that distance to really be able to hear your own words And you also need to build in some time to have someone else read the essay. Very well said. And and really just someone objective, you know, outside. It doesn't have to be a Lauren, right? Doesn't have to be a Lauren, but um, someone else that's going to come to it with a fresh perspective and not um, have had this same idea, you know, milling around um, in their heads. So I love your three-step process, Lauren. That is fantastic. I have learned so much from you today, not only in content, but also in attitude. I will not dread the essay anymore. (laughs) I promise I will celebrate it. Lauren, this has been absolutely great. And I'm so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for what you do with other students, um, getting them ready in that college application process and helping them with essays. Lauren, thanks for your time today. You're welcome, Carrie. Carrie, can I say one more thing real quick? Of course. Students, please read your essay aloud to yourself slowly. Oh, that's so neat. Oh, that's so <laughs> because neat. We all, we, when we hear what we've said, we can really pay better attention to the flow and the way we said it and figure out where it's not working. You have thought so of so many unique things, last, Lauren. The last thing I would say <laughs> is just read it aloud to yourself and maybe even to someone else to make sure it's making sense. Carrie, thank you so much for having me. It's always a joy to think about writing and revising. And it's always uh, such a joy to be a small part of helping um, high schoolers I move forward to that next tell stage. You have a passion for this. And I, I do. am so grateful for your time. Lauren, God bless you. All right. You too, Carrie. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Homeschool Journal. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like our episodes, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. Help us to find more friends to join our homeschool family. I want to give a huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show and ask that you check out all of our great podcasts there. As always, I'm Carrie McGraw. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.